Hallelujah, hallelujah. Wherever you are, tell the Lord, I love you. I love you, Lord. Jesus, I love you. Not for what you can do for me, but because of who you are. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We can't let another second go by without stopping and letting you know, Lord, we love you. And we are so grateful that you love us back, my God. And it's so interesting, the sweet presence of the Lord that's in here. But Reverend Isaac, your choice of songs today took me back. That first song is a favorite in the Almanzar household. And it reminded me of when my son was small. He was born and he was very colicky when he was first born. So he did a lot of crying and a lot of fussing. And so I remember my mother in trying to help me gave me a rocking chair. And I would sit late at night with my brand new baby boy and just cuddled with him. I would rock in that rocking chair and sing that song. And although I, I, I don't have the best singing voice, it was beautiful to Jesus. <laughs> and my son would just fall asleep. And there was such a peace there, rocking back and forth with him. That gentle movement, that comfort of being somewhere familiar was enough to give him peace. And as adults, beloved, you and I are like that too. We feel that as long as there, there's that movement rocking us back and forth, as long as we're somewhere safe and we're somewhere comfortable, that we'll do fine in life. But today I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, that not all movement means progress. Not all movement is productive. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, that gentle rocking tricks us into thinking that we're moving ahead when really we find ourselves stationary. And sometimes we're on that rocking chair of life, pivoting forward, and right when we get forward, all of a sudden it pulls us back. And for all the effort we're making to move, we look around and we find that we've remained stationary we find ourselves stuck. But I believe that it's in those seasons that God sends things in to shake us up and to get us moving towards the right things once again. And so was the case with the biblical character we're going to discuss today as we explore the theme, the way forward isn't behind you. The way forward isn't behind you. And we're going to be taking a look at the story of my friend Lot, found in Genesis 19, verses 1 through 29. And this is a juicy one today, brothers and sisters. I don't know who says that the Bible is dull. They must have not read this story. <laughs> because there's a lot of things at play in this story. There's complex interpersonal dynamics. There's a a vicious attempt at sexual assault. There's an immigrant family fleeing for their lives. And then at the end of it all, there's the uh, apocalyptic destruction of a prominent city. Almost sounds like something we would see in the movie theater, right? And so the story opens up with Lot sitting at the gate of a city named Sodom. Now all of us remember what that city signified, right? In children's church, we were taught that the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were saturated with sin. 
And not only did sexual sin abound, which is what they were prominently known for, but the Sodomites were a prideful people. They were a people that delighted in cruelty where social justice did not exist. They were a people that were self-absorbed, a people that were hedonistic, a people that were out for themselves where anything and everything was okay. And yet it was a, a lush and bountiful land. So the Sodomites actually experienced a higher standard of living. And so our friend Lot, who was a righteous man, had his foot in two worlds. On one hand, he wanted to serve God, but on the other hand, he wanted to enjoy the pleasures of the world. And so our friend Lot had grown comfortable with the spirit of Sodom. He knew very well the evils that had taken place in that city. And yet, that's where he chose to make a home. That's where he chose to plant his roots. That's where he chose to raise his children. And so one day, two angels came to visit the town. And Lot, the gracious host he was, takes them in. And while they were in his home they were almost violently attacked and, and viciously raped as a local mob comes looking for them at Lot's home. By the grace of God, they make it through the night. And the next morning, the angels revealed to Lot why they were there. They were there on assignment by God to destroy the city. And so the angels begin to tell him what to do, starting in verse number 15, which says, With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, someone say hesitated, the men grasped his hands and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city. For the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. And so here we see the internal struggle of this man who on the outside looked like he was moving ahead. On the outside, it looked like he was making productive moves. Uh, he had property and he had material possessions. He had influence, but all the while, he was stuck. Oh, he was stuck in dysfunctional systems around him. He was stuck in an environment of wickedness and evil. He was stuck even in his relationship with God. See, although Lot lived in Sodom, after all those years, Sodom had also made a home inside the hearts of him and his family. So when the time came for Lot to move forward, he had a hard time leaving what was behind him. He had come face to face with the reality that the old way of living was now gone in favor of a new direction that God was taking him into. 
And so as you and I think about emerging from this season of pandemic, as the old normal we used to know is being destroyed behind us, as the systems and structures that we once found comfort in are now being dismantled, many of us want to look back at the old. Oh, but I believe the Lord is saying to us, brothers and sisters, the way forward isn't behind you. See, Cinderella couldn't have become a princess if she went back for her shoe. No, she had to keep it moving and move forward towards her destiny. Oh, we need to leave what's behind us in order to move forward into our future. And so today, beloved, I believe God is saying to us, we need to look ahead in order to move ahead. And so as we consider the story of Lot, there's some learnings we can glean from him as we move into this new season, into this new reality that God is taking us as a people. The first thing I believe we can learn is that God will do everything he can to save us. See, knowing what was coming into the city, God deployed not one but two angels, two of his generals with specific instructions to save Lot. They went into his town. Then they went into his home. Then they warned him what was going to happen. And when the words weren't effective, they personally grabbed him by the hand and led him out into safety. Oh, what an amazing God that he would go above and beyond to make sure that we're safe. Charles Spurgeon makes this observation about the situation. He says, you'll notice the text expressly says that they took hold of the hand of Lot and the hand of his wife and the hand of his two daughters. Lot, his wife, and the two daughters. That was four. Well, the angels only had four hands, and so they did all they could. There was a hand for each. There was no more persons. There was no more helping hands. There was just enough instrumentally. There was not a hand to spare. So God did all that he could to save Lot and his family. And not only was that a promise of deliverance for him, it extended to his relatives because there's a blessing in being connected to the righteous people of God. Oh, but even in the midst of calamity, brothers and sisters, you and I can move forward knowing that God will protect us. And that he will leave no stone unturned, no valley unexplored. He will seek us out even when we dwell in places of danger, even when we dwell in places of depravity. God will seek us out and save us. Oh, come on, you know that is true. That's your story. It was God that saved you from that drug addiction. 
Come on, somebody. It was God that saved you from that cycle of alcoholism. Come on. It was God that freed you from the chains of porn addiction. Even when you tried to take your life, the spirit of the living God came in and brought you back to the land of the living. Because when disaster is coming for us, he will go into that dwelling place of danger. He will go into that dwelling place of sin. He will grab us by the hand and he will lead us out that's how much he loves you that's how much he loves me oh so we don't have to live in fear we don't have to live paranoid wonder wondering what's lurking over our shoulders God will do everything he can to save us the second thing we can learn from Lot's situation is that when God tells you to move, beloved, don't hesitate. When God tells you to move, you better move right away. See, the Bible says that when the angel spoke to Lot, he hesitated. Other translations say that he lingered. On one hand, if Lot had waited too long, he would have died a quick death as the city was destroyed. Oh, but on the other hand, beloved, he was already dying a slow spiritual death because too much of his heart was wrapped up in the wickedness of the city. Too much of his heart was still back in Sodom. So he didn't have an urgency to leave the city. Oh, a lack of urgency to obey God is a common sign of compromise which can be a slow poison to our walk with God. And so as a result, Lot's testimony had been compromised by how he lived and what he allowed. He was so engrafted into that old lifestyle, into that old system, he couldn't see the slow erosion of his spiritual foundation. Oh, and that's what makes it so insidious. It happens little by little over time. We make one exception. We allow one little thing. We tell one white little lie. We steal that one little thing. And then all of a sudden it snowballs until we're, our, our spiritual foundation is shaky ground. And because Lot's testimony had been compromised, his ability to save others was also limited. See, when he tried to tell his son-in-laws what was happening, they didn't take him seriously. They thought he was joking, and so they were left behind. His wife, his wife didn't listen, and we know what happened to her. She was also lost. And so in the end, it was only Lot and his two daughters that made it. His testimony had degenerated to such a point that even his family didn't respect him. My God. See, when we linger in places we shouldn't for too long, when we stay in unhealthy systems, when we stay in unhealthy places, compromise sets in and neutralizes our ability to be salt and light. It corrupts our testimony. Oh, so if God is warning you of something, oh, listen, beloved. If God is steering you away from a specific person, from a specific place, oh, you better pay attention, brothers and sisters. 
Oh, when God tells you to move, don't linger. Because it could have serious impact not only on your life, but the life of those around you. The third thing we can learn from Lot's experience as he tried to move forward is don't try to negotiate with God. Don't try to negotiate with God. See, the angels sent Lot into the mountains to save him from the destruction that was coming. And yet he negotiates what he thought was a better arrangement, but it actually turned out to be an inferior arrangement. See, our boy Lot didn't want to live in the country. He was a, a city dweller. And although the angels were sending him somewhere where he could start afresh, when he could start new, he wanted uh, some semblance of his old life. He wanted to take a little bit of what he was leaving behind with him. And so he tries to play it off. He says, listen, I, I want to go to that city, that city named Zor. And Zor, we know, means small or insignificant. And so he's saying, look, that little city right there, it's not a big deal. It's not like Sodom and Gomorrah. It only has little sins and it only has little issues. So it's no big deal. Let me go there. Oh, but how many know fear makes us squeeze into small places that we shouldn't be in? And as God begins to confront us with the things we need to let go of, with the things that we need to leave behind if we're going to follow him, many of us try to scramble to preserve as much of the old life as possible. Meanwhile, God is trying to strip us of those things. God wanted a, a fresh start for Lot. Oh, and yet he wanted to squeeze himself into that small space he was never meant to be in. And so sometimes we try to negotiate with God and we think we have a better solution. We think we have a better option. And God is so gracious that he obliges. Ooh, but it doesn't end well for us. See, because I want you to know that Lot ended up leaving Zor. He ended up leaving that small city and heading towards the mountains anyway. <laughs> and we don't know what he went through. We don't know what made him leave. But what we do know is that by the time he arrived in the mountains, all that he had fit into a cave. Now, the historical narrative tells us that it's likely when he left Sodom, he left with some things, some personal items, some possessions. And yet, because he negotiated with God, he ended up living in a cave. Oh, a smaller space. A more confined situation than what God had originally intended for him. So stop negotiating, brothers and sisters. You may end up in a space that's too small for you. You may end up in a situation that's below what God had intended for you. And sometimes we cry out to God, God, why did I get here? You tried to negotiate. So just remember, we're not smarter than God. We don't have all the information that God does. So stop trying to negotiate. And finally, the last and most important thing we can learn from Lot's situation as we think about moving forward is this. Stop looking back because God's not there. 
stop looking back. God is not in that place you left. God is not where you were yesterday. God is not uh, uh, where your father and your grandfather was. God is, go is where you're, he's telling you to go. Oh, we know the famous outcome of this story, right? Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt because she looked back. And the angel's instructions to them weren't simply to flee the city, but to leave the city behind. And I know that sounds similar, but there's a nuance there that's important. See, the angels were telling them to drop what was behind them, to drop their old way of living, to drop their past and never pick it up again. Yet Lot's wife was looking back. Oh, because deep down inside, she couldn't let it go. Maybe her feet were running from it, but her heart was stuck. And so in the end, she's judged not for looking, but for longing. God wasn't judging the direction of her feet, but the condition of her heart. And so some people ask, well, maybe, maybe she was just, you know, looking back. Maybe she just turned a little bit. No, it was what was about, it was about what was happening in her heart. And so Lot's wife had death behind her and life before her, and yet she was longing for what was in the past. She was longing for sin when she should have been moving forward towards God. Oh, Jesus said something interesting in Luke 17, 32. He said, remember Lot's wife. In other words, he's reminding us that we shouldn't have hearts that long for a corrupt and passing world. We need to be looking forward towards our deliverance and not back at the chains of sin. And maybe you're saying to yourself, well, Pastor Enid, we're being a little hard on Lot's wife. <laughs> Maybe she was just curious. Well, that's exactly how we get hooked, brothers and sisters. When God is telling us to move forward, when God is trying to fix our eyes on him, yet something in our past grabs our attention and pulls us to look behind us. And because we're curious, we turn our gaze from him. Oh, so stop looking back. There's nothing back there for you. God is asking you to leave it behind for a reason. And so I believe that he's using this season of pandemic for many different reasons. But one of those is as a reset for us. A time where we can reconfigure and reconstruct some of the priorities in our lives. Oh, but I understand that there may be some out there that are still longing for the old normal you want some semblance of the familiar you left behind and maybe you're saying listen pastor Enid I know that place wasn't perfect but I was familiar with it but it was comfortable I, I, I knew that there was evil but I knew how to manage those evils I knew how to manage those dysfunctions and even though the system was flawed no no I had influence and it, it didn't impact me I'm still a good person Oh, but the Lord is saying to you today, there's nothing there for you. There's nothing back there for you, beloved. You have to let it burn behind you and not look back. Life is ahead of you and not behind you. Blessings are before you and not behind you. God isn't back there where you left him. He's in the new place. So fix your eyes there. 
Oh, God is allowing us to have a fresh start in this season. He's taking us to a new place with new manna and new wineskin. And for that time, he's raising up new leaders. He's given us new paradigms of leadership. He's given us new methods of entrepreneurship. He's given us new ministry models. He's even given us new ways of doing life together. Do you see it? The way forward is in behind us. Uh, and yes, I understand that life is going to look different after this, after this, but we have to remember that God is saving us from those things that we thought produced movement, those things that we thought produced eternal ends, but really had us stuck. He's divorcing us from those things that had us stuck in a stationary position. Oh, my goodness. We can't be stuck in the reality of yesterday. We, we can't be stuck in the sin of yesterday. We can't be stuck in the systems of yesterday. If we're going to flourish, we have to look forward because the way forward isn't behind us. Stop looking back. Stop longing for the sin. Stop longing for the familiar. Stop longing for the comfortable. God is in front of us. He's delivering us from the destruction that's happening behind us and is giving us the opportunity opportunity for new life, abundant life, a free life. If we would just stop looking behind us. Oh, and so that is my prayer for you this evening, brothers and sisters, that we have the courage to move forward into what he's calling us as a people, that what he's that you have the courage to move forward into what he's calling you to do as a leader of your family, as a leader in your job, as a, a, a ministry leader, as a, a good neighbor, as a son, as a daughter, as a business leader. Oh, God is calling us into a new reality of, of abundance and of life. Oh, but we got to let go of those destructive forces that had us stuck yesterday. Oh, we have the opportunity of a new tomorrow, but the way forward is not behind us. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you, Lord, for this reminder from your word today, Lord, that even in the midst of crisis, even in the midst of calamity, you did all you could to save your son Lot and his family. All that you saw him in the place of danger. You saw him in the place of depravity and you went after him to rescue him. So we thank you, Lord, that wherever we find ourselves today, my God, no matter how deep the pit, you will seek us out and you will rescue us in the name of Jesus. And we declare today, my God, that we're not going to try to negotiate with you. We declare today that we're not going to hesitate when you give us instructions, when you send us warnings. We will receive them and we will act. We will not linger. Oh, Father, we will move forward expediently about your business in this season. And we declare, my God, that
that we will no longer long for what was old. We will no longer yearn for what you've taken us from. And we receive the new wineskins that you're giving us. We receive the new manna that you're giving us for this season. And we thank you that what's before us is abundant. What's before us is new. What's before us will stretch us and expand us as we follow your lead. And we thank you, my God, that this is an opportunity to leave those destructive forces, to leave those comfortable systems that had us stuck, to expand into our full destiny as your people. So we thank you, my God, for the new that's coming in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Keep your eyes forward. God is doing a new thing in this season. Oh, and it's so exciting and it's more abundant than you can imagine. Just keep your eyes on him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.